Hey, Vetfolio Voice listeners, welcome back. For this episode, sponsored by Zoetis, I was joined by Dr. Tracy Dice to discuss a medication that needs no introduction, Serenia. For this episode, we discuss Serenia in the context of a pre-anesthetic protocol. And I have to say, I adopted Serenia as part of my pre-anesthetic protocol for all patients recently, and I have no regrets for a lot of the reasons that we discuss in this episode. Happier owners, more comfortable pets, and on and on and on. And it was great to be joined by Dr. Dice, who seems to have had the same experience incorporating Serenia for her patients. Dr. Tracy Dice attended Texas A&M pursuing a bachelor's in biochemistry and genetics with a chemistry minor. She received her DVM from Texas A&M University in 1998. During veterinary school, she worked at MD Anderson Cancer Center Department of Lab Animal Medicine and Surgery. Dr. Dice completed an internship in small animal medicine and surgery prior to practicing emergency medicine for 15 years in Grapevine, Texas. She returned to her hometown of Rosenberg, Texas, joining a small animal practice where her interests included ultrasonography, soft tissue surgery, and pain management. Dr. Dice joined Zoetis as the professional services veterinarian for the Houston and surrounding areas in 2018 and is the current medical lead for Core Therapeutics. She shares her life with a couple of adult kiddos and a menagerie of pets, including a three-legged Saluki, a Doberman, a Schnauzer, and a naughty Borzoi. There is seldom a dull moment in the Dice family circus, which explains why Dr. Dice is so fun to talk to. Let's go ahead and get into our episode. All right, so for this episode, I am joined by Dr. Tracy Dice, and we are going to talk about a medication that, you know, so many of us find indispensable in the clinic, and that's Serenia. So Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Dr. Fleming. So let's talk about Serenia. There's a lot of data out there to tell us that animals who receive Serenia preoperatively or even perioperatively seem to benefit from reduced vomiting, quicker return to eating. I know I've definitely seen this in my own patients. Do you feel like Serenia for surgical procedures is pretty widely adopted these days? You know, as much as I would like to say, yes, absolutely, Cassie, it is, because it is such an important part of the anesthetic continuum of care. What we find from market research is that maybe utilization isn't as high as we thought or we hoped it is. No kidding. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Well, hopefully, you know, we can get this pre-anesthetic treatment on board for our patients and, and benefit them. So true. And I love that you just said pre-anesthetic, because I think the tendency is for us to use terms like perioperative, when really as general practitioners, emergency vets, even our specialists in internal medicine, we do a lot of anesthetic procedures where opioids are included in our multimodal approach that is outside the confines of the surgical suite, right? So there's benefit to incorporating Serenia in all of those sedation and anesthetic procedures in which we use opioids. Absolutely. I also love that you mentioned the continuum of care, and I know that's not what we're here to talk about today, but I love that that term really recognizes the individuality of our patients, of us as veterinarians, of our practices, and all these different things. Mm -hmm. 
Do we have any statistics on how frequently Serenia is being given as a pre-anesthetic medication? We do. And I love that you ask about statistics because we find in vet medicine what we think is happening and what is actually happening. Sometimes they don't match. So what we know about the use of Serenia as a perianesthetic or in the perioperative period when, when we use opioids is that on average, about 47% of veterinarians are in incorporating Serenia injectable for prevention of vomiting from emetogenic meds like opioids into their canine perioperative protocols. No kidding. 47%. 47%. I guess, you know, half we're, we're getting there. We're making progress. We are. That number half is up. I think it's up 37% from a couple of years ago. So we definitely, we definitely are changing for the better. Love that. I feel like this next question is a little bit obvious, but let's break it down just a little bit. Why is prevention of vomiting in the perioperative period and, you know, therefore the return to normal feeding afterwards so important in our patients? Yeah, that's a great question, Cassie. And things have changed. I've been practicing for 25 years and so much has changed in what we know about return to feeding and getting our patients to eat after surgery. So what we know about a speedy return to feeding, we know it has medical benefits the maintaining of normal GI integrity, that healthy biome, it supports immune function and helps with healing. In our house, we like to say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And the same <laughs> thing is true for the GI tract, right? If the GI tract is not happy, ain't nobody happy. And so we just know that we're going to heal better if we can get the meeting and maintain the integrity of the GI tract. The other facet of that is that faster return to feeding impacts our dog owners. I mean, think about it. We've all had our own pets under anesthesia. They've all had surgery. We know how worried we are when we bring them home about vomiting and eating. And what we know is our pet owners are the same. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, you don't want to see your dog not eating because that's scary. Then you wonder, did something go wrong? And I got really excited about the first part of your answer there, because that's a huge point of interest for me is the impact of gut health on overall health. So I love that you touched on that and the importance of, you know, good return to feeding and making sure we're taking care of the GI tract and its role in healing. Mm, definitely, definitely. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but pet owners, besides wanting their pets to be as normal as possible quickly after any kind of procedure, we know too, Cassie, that they measure the success of procedures by their dog's return to normalcy. That's a pretty big statement. We can do some miraculous things in and out of the OR, but what they're going to judge us on is how their pet does once it returns home. Absolutely. Cause that's the majority of what they see. You know, they don't see all of the, the monitoring and, you know, the, the different staff members involved and, and everything that goes into getting the procedure done. They see them before and after. It's true. It's true. 
And of course, we as veterinarians feel better when our patients are acting normal when we send them home. You know, you just mentioned that that's how clients kind of define a successful outcome after a procedure. But let's not forget about the staff. Can we talk about the impact of postoperative, perioperative vomiting in our patients and the impact that has on staff members? We can, we can, and we should, because let's be honest, our vet health teams rule the world and we'd be lost without them. So yes, let's talk about the practical implications of vomiting in the perioperative period. How how do you want to tackle this? Well, you know, I'm thinking that there's probably a lot of impacts, you know, just thinking personally of having a patient vomit in the perioperative period, you know, I feel kind of bad. I'm going, you know, I hate that you had to go through that. I wish, wish I'd been able to prevent that. You know, it takes a little bit of a moral impact. And then also, you know, you got to clean that patient up. God forbid you're running around with a whole bunch of other patients and you don't want to leave this patient sitting in a mess. So it takes away from anything else you're doing. It seems like there could be a lot of impact. Yeah, so we looked at 90 different veterinary clinics across the United States, and we spoke with members of the vet health team. And what we found is that when one of our vet health team members has to pause to clean up vomit in the perioperative period, this is the impact it has. One, they have concern because they are taking time away from one patient to go clean up after another. So they feel distracted, which brings worry about the pet they should be working on. Yeah. We know there's stress because it increases workload. And we know that vet medicine, state of crisis, we know post-COVID, some of our clinics are working with, you know, staff reductions. So there's already a high workload and having to pause to go clean up vomit, it just increases that workload. When there's time taken away and having to do things like clean up vomit, that's loss in revenue. Time's a hot commodity. So when we are having to shift time and do things like clean up vomit, we know that has a revenue impact. And then last thing is they reported that it negatively impacts client interactions and satisfaction. And I get that because think about those calls we have to make. When we have to let our pet owners know that their pet vomited in the perioperative time period and we need to address it, that's not a fun call to make. So when we can get ahead of that and just incorporate Serenia into those protocols, we don't have to have those frustrating and concerning client conversations. Yes, I am remembering those conversations, which, you know, unfortunately still happen from time to time, but much less these days. And that's a hard call to make to say, hey, can we do this? And, you know, knowing that it's not a lightning bolt, it's not like, you know, we give this and everything is magically better 30 seconds later. And so, yeah, you know, I know I'm turning it over in my head as a veterinarian going, I want to make you feel better. I'm sure you know, kind of like the impacts of the staff members that we just talked about. And then these clients are sitting at home worrying about their pet who's now not feeling good and vomiting in the hospital after just having surgery. That's a scary thing to think about. So I've had those conversations and they're tough. They are tough. And you know, we know about our vet health team members, 
we're all animal obsessed, right? Yes. I mean, that's what we're here for. It's why we do what we do. And so being able to implement anything that will help us and our team members not have to sit here and worry about our patients, which, you know, we all do. We try to turn it off when we walk out the door, but then we stay up at night thinking about our patients. Anything we can do to reduce that burden on our team members, boy, we we owe it to them. You're exactly right. I mean, we have enough to worry about. Like you said, we try to turn it off and can't always turn it all the way off. So, you know, take one thing off of that list. Mm -hmm. And then beyond the moral impacts, we've touched a little bit on the time impacts of having to communicate with pet owners about this and clean up animals and, and all of this. I would imagine there's probably a big time savings by preventing vomiting perioperatively. There is from, from multiple aspects. And you know, we touched on this earlier. Time is our most precious commodity. So we think about the time it takes to pause, evaluate our patient who's vomited, clean them up, you know, make sure that vomiting, just the force of it hasn't impacted our surgical procedure incision lines. We know we might have to take time to call a pet owner and we have to take time to make sure if we do dose serenia that that fee is captured. When we think about all that time, that's not including our patients who maybe don't get serenia and they go home and vomit. And then the pet owner has to either call or bring them back up. Like when we think about all the different points that time can be factored in to the perioperative vomiting strategy, it's tremendous. I agree. And I love that you brought that up of, of pets who go home and then vomit because Sometimes that happens just regardless of our best efforts. And I'm thinking of a case that happened at at my clinic recently. And it was a little Frenchie. Of course, it was a Frenchie, uh, the the one that we least want to vomit. And he he had a fair bit of post-operative vomiting for a couple of days, despite the fact that we were giving Serenia. And, you know, of course, we were doing everything we could to calm that down and, and get him feeling better. But I think of the the owner perception in that scenario where I think the owners felt like we did everything we could on the front end to help prevent this from happening. And when it did happen, we were doing everything on the back end to try to get everything under control. And I'm happy to report it was probably 24 to 48 hours afterwards. He's doing absolutely wonderfully now. But that client perception of we took measures to stop this from happening, and it's kind of a fluke in this case. Yeah, you bet. Because, you know, we all love Serenia. We have confidence in Serenia. I like to call Serenia the prom queen or prom king because she's the star of our show. But it's important to remember the, the pathway of vomiting. It's complicated, right? It's complex. And yes, we know Serenia works on those NK1 receptors, but there are other receptors involved in the process. So some of our patients, again, it goes back to the one size fits all. Some of them in the perioperative experience might do just fine. The majority might do just fine with Serenia, but sometimes we might have to add in other things. It's by definition, the the concept of multimodal. You know, maybe we do have to 
add in either a prokinetic or one of those antiemetics that works in a different way, whether it's on the serotonin receptor or the muscarinic receptor. You know, sometimes our patient's just not going to read the book. And so we're going to have to add in other modalities to help with their perioperative vomiting. Glad you brought up your Frenchie and I'm glad everything went okay in that case. Yes, he's doing much better. But yeah, that's that's terrifying to think about because one, we're worrying about the vomiting. And then when you mentioned incision lines, I went, oh gosh, I forgot about, you know, checking those and the impact we can have there. Yes, we want to set everything up for success, right? We want to set our patients up for success first and foremost. We want to set our surgical areas up for success, our vet health team and our pet owners. Win-win wins all the way across the board. Pro success. Absolutely. (laughs) And you have a couple cases, if I recall, that were similar where you treated with Serenia and it had a big impact on the outcome. So true. And let's, let's stay in the spirit of brachycephalic. (laughs) We could probably have a podcast on that and and the uniqueness of of that particular demographic of dog. But I like to call this my swan song of cases. You know, we have those cases that literally every ounce of our being is utilized to have a, a nice outcome. Yes. My swan song is called Annie, and Annie is a Boston Terrier who presented for a a trauma, and sad little story. I won't get into the details, but we already know that brachycephalics, they don't really have a lot of real estate as far as skin goes on their face, and Annie had over 50% of her facial skin traumatized from a a bite wound. Love Annie. She is the dream, not only the dream dog, but she has dream pet owners. And even though she was traumatized so severely, she had life in her little eyes. She's a fighter. Her pet owners were willing to partner. And so we worked all together to treat her and do surgery on her, reconstruct her face. So long story short, let's do the spoiler. Annie comes out of this surgery. She looks great. Like she is one of those cases where if you ever doubt the ability of a dog to just have a will to live and heal, this is it. So we did this miraculous thing. And to this day, you know what her owners compliment our hospital on? Do you want to guess? Given given the spirit of our podcast episode here, I can make a guess, but go ahead and tell us. We reconstructed her face, but what she spread the good news about is that Annie went home and ate after surgery. Like she never missed her meal. And that's what brought life and happiness to her owners. And they attribute the eating behavior and return to normalcy as Annie's quality of life. So the fact that she had this huge trauma isn't what was making the link to them. The link was her doing her normal stuff at home. And I think that makes a lot of sense that, you know, they're seeing her take her normal behaviors back on and that's helping reassure them that she's going to be okay. That's it. Makes a lot of sense. So I have begun giving Serenia to all of my surgical cases and I really like it. I feel like I see a good result from doing that. But if you were talking to someone who maybe wasn't ready to implement Serenia across the board in all their surgical patients, 
what types of cases would you recommend to start with to say, you know, okay, don't give it across the board, but maybe start with these few cases? Yeah, baby steps, right, Cassie? Absolutely. Change can be hard and just knowing like where are the the places we might want to start implementing serenia for prevention of vomiting from opioids. Good question. I think, okay, so first of all, we already touched it. Up at the top of the list would be brachycephalic patients because we know they have a higher risk of perioperative vomiting, they have a higher risk of potential for adverse events in that time period and adverse events related to vomiting. So they would be at the top of my list. So my second, my second priority where I'd put it in, Cassie, would be dentistries. And I'm not talking about the complicated stage three, fours. I'm talking about even routine cohats. So mucking around in the mouth, those patients might have some inflammation, oral cavity. We know that post-op, they might tend to have some vomiting, maybe be a little hyperexic. So if I can prevent vomiting, which then will help them return to feeding, I'm all for that. And then of course, anything abdominal or GI. And I say anything abdominal because I just think about the force in which we and our patients vomit. I don't want anything like that in the post-op period after I've done surgery in the area. So those would be my top. I have some some after that that are maybe some unique case examples, but the, my top three would be brachycephalics, dentistries, and then anything abdominal or GI. I think that makes a lot of sense. And mine would be similar because brachycephalics always scare me a little bit when they vomit. I have, I'm always going to say dentistry because I love dentistry. And, <laughs> I knew that about you. <laughs> yeah, then, you know, so of course, taking care of those patients and it makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of soreness and, you know, maybe we created a little bit of inflammation in their mouth from whatever we were doing that needs to heal. So the last thing they need is to vomit and have even less desire to start eating after the fact. So true. So true. And then abdominal. Oh my. So yeah, I don't, I don't love abdominal anything, but certainly we don't want anything abdominal vomiting for obvious reasons, but also, you know, we mentioned the incision lines earlier that I'm now going to think about for the rest of this episode. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then we, we have to take it back to just healing, healing in general. We already talked about the importance of maintaining microbiome, GI health. So even if we haven't done GI surgery, abdominal surgery, preventing vomiting in that perioperative period from our opioids, still going to have an impact on healing, no matter where the healing is. Absolutely. Maintaining that gut health. Mm -hmm. So we talked about a couple of cases, both of them being brachycephalics for us earlier. Are there any other cases you can share with us where you felt like, man, I'm really glad I gave Serenia. This was a big benefit to my patient. Sure. And I think, you know, we find ourselves in a situation where we see a certain population of dog breed. And Cassie, I live with two sight hounds. Oh, what kind of sight hounds? Oh, thank you for asking. A Saluki <laughs> and a Borzoi. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
with that comes, you know, sighthound people tend to flock to me. Now we know in this day and age, everyone, all of our veterinary vet health team colleagues, we are all equipped to anesthetize sighthounds. Mm-hmm. We all are. And I always say like, we're all equipped to anesthetize them, but what about recover them? Because they are a little unique in the recovery period. They each come with their little specialties, nuances. So I put it in there for sight hounds and maybe for a little different reason, a little different reason. What we know, in addition to return to feeding from prevention of perioperative vomiting with serenia, We know that when we incorporate antiemetic in the perioperative time period, doing that can impact recovery. And what I mean by that is the the ease in which our our patients come to the awake state. And we have a, a really great study from Deborah Ramsey showing that when we incorporate serenia into our perioperative protocols when we use metagens like opioids, that those patients had improved recovery. And when I I say improved recovery on a scale of zero to two, we want a zero. Those patients are going to recover comfortably. They're going to be happy as clams, no vocalization. They're just going to be resting. One is is okay. You know, they might shift a little bit, pant. And two, those are those recoveries that none of us want to have. Patient is thrashing, paddling, maybe some vocalization. When dogs have serenia in their perioperative period and have prevention of vomiting, those patients wake up zero or one. No kidding. No kidding. It's an added bonus, right? The added bonus. So I'm thinking now hopefully nobody gets mad at me. Dobermans, why Mariners? <laughs> hey, I can't get mad at you. I live with the Doberman. And of course, like we absolutely, absolutely. And lately I was having conversation with an anesthesiologist in the United States and she put sled dogs on the list. Oh, no kidding. Mm-hmm. And think about it. Think about sled dogs. They they can be fragile little snowflakes. In yes. That yeah, they are a little sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So just to kind of bring it full circle here at the end, we've talked about how using Serenia in the perioperative period, it's beneficial to our patients. It's beneficial to us as veterinarians, to our staff members, to our clients, But can you just kind of summarize how we're really benefiting the hospital overall? Yeah, that's a, it's, it's multifaceted, but besides our time, besides wanting to really look out for our vet health team and our patient well-being. I think a big one is going to be the the parameter from our pet owners. You know, we're we're in a little bit of unique times and I think any time we can just build upon and improve that vet patient client relationship we can. And what we know about perioperative vomiting prevention is that Our pet owners, they're concerned. You know, a lot of them have had surgeries. They know how miserable it is to vomit in that time period. So when we can alleviate their concerns, we better that relationship. We improve owner satisfaction with the anesthetic continuum of care for their canine family members. And I think when we do that, 
we better their trust and the likelihood that that positive experience is going to keep bringing them back. You know, most of the time they have other pets at home. They're going to have that good experience. You're going to book that procedure for their other family pet, the other dog in the household. I think that makes sense. It, it makes the idea of that next procedure a little less scary, a little less intimidating. It does. It does. Good, good way to put it. Well, Tracy, this has been a lot of fun and a great discussion on, on such an important medication that so many of us use and need to continue to use for all of the reasons that we've talked about here. Thank you so much for joining me. Are there any final thoughts you want to share? No, I, I think the the only final thoughts, and this is, it's for myself, it's for all of us out there. I know when times are busy, you know, Cassie, we just have that knee-jerk reaction to kind of shift into what's comfortable. So I would just encourage any of us maybe that aren't incorporating Serenia into our protocols, maybe to just go out on that limb, try it, try it in one or two see the impact on our pets, our vet health team. And then let's just encourage one another to keep building and growing in that, in that space. I love that. I think that's good advice for using Serenia for <laughs> practice in general. That's good advice for life. <laughs> it is. It is. We're all in it together. So let's help one another, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tracy, thank you again for joining me. This has been great. Thank you for having me. Take care, Kathy. You too. Dr. Dice, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I love that we were able to talk about Serenia, not only from the benefit to our patient standpoint, but also the benefits to pet owners, to the clinic, to the staff, kind of an everybody wins scenario. I also want to say a huge thank you to Zoetis for sponsoring this episode and of course to all of you for joining us. Now let's talk about some important safety information. Use Serenia injectable for vomiting in cats four months and older. Use subcutaneously for acute vomiting in dogs two to four months of age or either subcutaneously or intravenously in dogs four months of age and older. Safe use has not been evaluated in cats and dogs with gastrointestinal obstruction or those that have ingested toxins. Use with caution in cats and dogs with hepatic dysfunction. Pain and vocalization upon injection is a common side effect. In people, topical exposure may elicit localized allergic skin reactions and repeated or prolonged exposure may lead to skin sensitization. See full prescribing information at sereniapi.com. That's C-E-R-E-N-I-A-P-I dot com. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for topics you'd like to hear from us in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day. Mm-hmm.